Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 218. My name's Adam Patterson. Joining me today, we've got Kevin Rakestraw. How you doing there, Kevin? Doing pretty good. The Spring 2016 Fanapendant Film Festival has wrapped this week, and we'll be reviewing the top four films as voted by the fans over at fanapendantfilms.com. Those films include Two Fingers, The Windy City Wonder, Some Guy Who Kills People, The Circus Animals, and The Burden of My Company. So we've got four on the docket today. We'll also be talking about some of other uh, what we've been watching on the watch list, movie predictions, new on video on demand, and Blu-ray releases. Got some movie news to start off with this week. Let's, uh, let's dive into some movie news. So earlier this week, it was announced that uh, Numi Rapace has been spotted on the set of Alien Covenant. So looks like she's going to be in that movie after all. Oh, boy. Yeah, Deadline broke this news. Uh, it, was, it was long thought that she wasn't going to be reprising her role from Prometheus in the new Alien movie, but it looks like she's going to be back. Uh, and from what I understand from what the article says is that she is shooting a significant number of scenes and she's going to be there for several weeks. So it seems like she's going to have more than just a, a cameo. That's cool. I liked her character in Prometheus. The movie itself, I thought, was a little, a little messy, but I'm really excited for the prospect of Ridley Scott doing a new Alien movie, like a full-on Alien movie, not like a weird sci-fi movie that has this kind of tacked-on Alien thing with it. I don't know. What do you think? Are you at all interested in a new Alien movie? Alien Covenant? Sure. What if I told I you Danny McBride was going to be in it? Sure. <laughs> I mean, I'll check it out. Why not? Give it a shot. Yeah. What's the worst that can happen? Yeah. I guess the worst that could happen is that it completely ruins the franchise forever. Ah. <laughs> I don't think it will. I think it's too strong of a franchise to have. I mean, we've had two, two Alien versus Predator movies, and if those don't kill it, I don't think anything will. Well, then, even, even if it's like really bad, like you always have that option of just ignoring that that movie exists. It's true. You know what I mean? Like You can just be like, huh? It, it just stops at Alien. Yeah, it's true. Legends of the Hidden Temple is back. Well, I know you're excited about this. <laughs> They're making this a movie? They're making it a movie. It's a TV movie, so it's not, it's not going to be in theaters or anything, but it's going to be a TV movie on Nickelodeon. Oh, yeah. And it's going to have, uh, the. I think I read that the original voice of Omek, the uh, talking oh, yeah. statue guy. Fuck yeah. He's going to be back. Nice. There's a there's a morbid curiosity I have with this one. I don't think it's gonna be good, but I loved no. Legends of the Hidden Temple as a kid. I loved that show. Silver snakes <laughs> and green monkeys, I hope that, or whatever. All the different. I hope teams. that the that the the film like they don't adapt it or anything. It's just like they have contestants on, and it's just one. It's one episode. Just one episode of the show. <laughs> That's it. It's not an adaptation or anything. It's just one and done. That's it. Uh, I don't think it is. There is there is a synopsis out for it. So it's it's like about a group of kids that go on this journey and have to navigate through the the steps of knowledge and all of that stuff. So there's going to be all these kind of winks and nods to the show. Yeah. But I don't know. It could be fun. Do you think they'll have any of the kid the the kids die? They'll write that the kids die. Well, in the in the show. You as, you have to assume that they get killed, right? Like if they I make mean, that's it, kind of the, if they that's make kind it, of the thing. Yeah, I mean, if the kid makes it to the temple, 
you know, and they hit the wrong button or whatever, and the, the, the tribesmen come out and grab them, you can only assume that that tribesman grabs them and then eats them. That's what I always or, assumed as a kid. <laughs> yeah, I like how you went straight to cannibalism yeah. as a kid. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's either that or, I mean, possibly worse. They're like, they're like a slave now. I don't think it's just like the tribes and they come and like pick them up and they take them like back to the front door and they're like, get out of here, go home. Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't think they're deporting people. I, yeah, I don't either. I don't either. Uh, so I don't know. That's, that could be interesting. See, the, the thing is, it's going to be a kid's show and I, I don't think it should be a kid's show. I think they should make it for adults. I think they should make it for the people that grew up with Legends of the Hidden Temple. Yeah, because now you're just a bunch of kids like, I don't get this. Yeah. I don't, I don't mean make it, like, violent and gritty and rated R, but just make yeah. it more geared towards adults. Maybe if it's funny, then make the humor more adult-themed humor. I don't know. We'll see. Roland Emmerich's next film is going to be titled Moonfall. Ooh. And it's about the moon falling into Earth. <laughs> so that is awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so mm. it sounds like it's going to be basically Armageddon. Yeah, just with the moon. Yeah, and I'm sure there's going to be a, an, a team of like a ragtag team that gets sent up to try to blow up the moon or something. It, yeah. What do you? Like, what can you really do in that situation? I mean, you're either going to have to destroy it or let it hit us. My guess is they're either going to they're either going to destroy it or try to do something that alters its trajectory. Yeah. To make it miss us. But then we're still without a moon. We are still without a moon. Yes, <laughs> that will probably <laughs> fuck us up. <laughs> you think they'll probably cover that in Moonfall Two? Hmm. The aftermath. Yeah, Moonfall Two. Moon fell. Hmm. <laughs> Wow, what a what a ridiculous! <laughs> uh, I just want to know how he like you. The best part of that is you can you can have it in your head play out of him walking into a room with people and be like, "Okay, this is my new idea for a movie. It's called Moonfall," and they're gonna be like, "Oh shit, what's it about?" And he's like, "The moon falls into the earth," and then that's it. And they give him money, and they're like, "Let's do it." I just imagine. Roland Emmerich walking into a boardroom at 20th Century Fox with script in hand, and he slams it down on the table, and he goes, Moonfall! And then they all look at each other, and then it's that scene from Birdemic where they're just clapping and high-fiving for five minutes. <laughs> it's just one guy that just looks at him and is like, wait a second, is this a movie about the moon falling into the earth? Because if so, count me and yeah. then some guy just like an intern comes in with a trash bag full of money and just starts throwing it at Roland Emmerich. <laughs> oh my God! How's he still making movies? Because they make they make tons of money. It's Easy true. answer. Easy answer. That's true. His his movies are designed to be summer blockbusters. Like that's exactly what they are. People need to learn. Stop setting their sights so high. Yeah. Just. Make a movie about a giant thing falling into an even bigger thing, or those things colliding. Yeah, I mean, disaster movies are so easy. Like, if you have the budget, you could literally... An earthquake, uh, a tornado, a tsunami, you know, a sinkhole, anything. Yeah, there, yeah, there really hasn't been a sinkhole movie yet, has there? Not that I'm aware of. <sighs> That's... Somebody will get on that. 
you know he has a script filed under S or sinkhole. Because that's my <laughs> other favorite file cabinet like... <laughs> of natural disasters. They're all the same script. It's just each one is white out. And it's just the thing has changed. The disaster has changed. But that's my other favorite thing about him is just, he doesn't put any thought into the title. No. It's just like Volcano. Did he do Volcano? I don't even know if he did Volcano. (laughs) Sure he did. Why not? All right. He probably came up with the title at least. Probably. Uh, (laughs) Taika Waititi gives a small update on the What We Do in the Shadows sequel, We're Wolves. So it's going to focus on Reese Darby's character at odds with the newest member of the pack, Stu. Mm. And it's going to be the two of them kind of uh, battling it out to become the alpha of the group. Oh Unfortunately, so he's in the interview with, uh, I believe it was Entertainment Weekly, he said that, you know, he's got the story locked down, a lot of good ideas, but we're probably not going to see this movie for quite a while. Now, he did say that it took them seven years to make What We Do in the Shadows, and he said that he didn't want to take that long to make this one. And he said <clears> that it's going to be easier to make this one because they already have the characters established and they know how they want to shoot it. So. Yeah. Like, the groundwork's been laid, but he's doing the new Thor movie, so he's doing Thor Ragnarok, and then he's doing a smaller movie after that one, and it may not be this one, so it may be another smaller movie after Thor. So it could be a while still before we get this one, but either way, very excited at this Werewolves. <laughs> Great title. Yes. Uh, trailers this week. got. American Honey. Are you excited about this one? This looks alright. I'm pretty excited. I'm I'm actually really excited about American Honey. Heard nothing but great things. It looks like it's right up my alley. Uh, judging from the trailer, uh, visually, it's also right up my alley. So I, I'm 100% on board with this one. Keeping up with the Joneses. I already forget what this is. It's an action. It's an action comedy with um, Gal Gadot. And is it John Hamm, I believe? Okay, and, yeah, Zach Galifianakis. And, yeah, and, Zach Galifianakis. And is a fish. Yeah, they, they, yes. They play like a normal suburban couple, and they have these neighbors that move in, and they believe that their neighbors are up to no good, and it turns out that they're like secret agents or something, and they get swept up in a... Damn. Spirit. It looks really bad, I'm sorry. Well, that's not... Haven't we done that movie a couple times already? <laughs> yeah, of course. It does not look good. Uh, uh, Jack Reacher Never Go Back. We mentioned this last week, but hey, guess what? It has a full trailer now. Oh, boy. Watch out. I'm pretty excited for this one. I said it last week, so I'm not going to dwell on it, but looks like it's going to be good. Looks like it's going to be fun. The action looks like it's at the same level. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, some other some other bits here. Darth Vader's been confirmed for Star Wars Rogue One. Oh damn! And, and James Earl Jones will be voicing Darth Vader. What? So that's what? pretty exciting. Pretty exciting news for Star Wars fans that Darth Vader will be making his return. Nice. Yeah. You poo poo like that. You poo poo. Oh, are you being serious? I thought you were being yeah. sarcastic. No. Yeah, I think it's pretty awesome. Yeah. All right, let's talk about fan-dependent spring 2016. As we mentioned on a previous episode, we uh, have partnered with fan-dependent films that, for, this, for this spring season. So this is sort of a cross-promotion thing that we're doing. There's no exchange of money or anything like that. 
they asked us if we wanted to help promote the festival and talk about some of the, the movies that are playing there. And we said, hey, sure thing. Let's do that. So we agreed to, to cover the, f- the four top four uh, films of this, this festival, the Spring Festival. If you're not familiar with how Fan Dependent Films works, uh, every, every season they do a, an online film festival. And every single, was it every week they add a new movie or is it every day? Every, every day. day they add a new film to the lineup. And you can watch the film for free. If you want to, if it's a movie that you really like, you can help support the film and the filmmaker by becoming a fan and paying, was it three bucks? Yep. Pay three bucks and you can become a fan and essentially vote for that film to win uh, the audience award for the festival. Uh, and then the winners will remain on the site because the, the ones that are in the running, they only stay up on the site for a limited amount of time. But the winners actually remain on the site forever. Forever. Uh, so it's a really cool idea. I really like the idea of, I think the, the emergence of online film festivals is something that we're going to be seeing a lot more of, especially mm-hmm. because someone, as someone who covers film festivals, uh, more and more, we, we've been covering film festivals remotely, where we don't even necessarily have to be at the festival to cover it. So this is something that I do see happening more in the future. And there have been a, a couple other online film festivals that, that have happened. I don't think any of them have been as robust as this one. So that being said, let's go ahead and talk about uh, the... So the official list of winners has been announced as of now. So let's go, let's go from the bottom up. So let's go with uh, the circus animals first, and then we'll make our way up to the first place film. All right. So All right. the circus animals got the Ben and Jerry award. Uh, it wasn't in the top three, but it did get the Ben and Jerry. The, the Ben and Jerry are the uh, founders of the site, creators of the site. I guess they picked one each festival. They just picked their favorite. Yeah. Presumably it's their favorite. I don't know that for That's a fact. I'll have to ask I Ben. Think, I would think so. I don't know what else you would pick. Well, if it, were, just... if it were me, I might not necessarily pick my favorite. I might pick the one that I thought was like, the most ambitious or the one that I thought like, was objectively the best, but maybe not necessarily my favorite. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, yeah. I might do something like that. You might mix it up. Who knows? They got a bunch of festivals to go. You might just switch it up. Yeah. So switch the picks. So the circus animals. This is written and directed by Nicholas Bateman. Uh, I have a synopsis here: a tragedy about a romance about some friends making a movie. Now, Kevin, you're going to have a review for this up on the site. It's done. I just have to post it. I was trying to be strategic in when I got this published up on the site. So, um, I guess I'll I'll start this one off since you have a review. I liked this movie in concept. I thought that the idea of having this movie about, you know, the film starts off with a group of, of best friends. They love each other so much. They're doing shots together. They're hugging each other. They're embarking on this great journey of making this movie. And it just falls apart. It just does not work for them. And, and it's, it, as they make this movie... Their, their friendships continue to de- deteriorate and just crumble. And I liked that idea being represented 
in in a film. It's, I like movies about making movies, first of all. And I like the idea of seeing, you know, the stresses of this continue to eat away at them. And then there's like, you know, hidden desires and things that, that start boiling to the surface. And you start seeing these like these these secrets and hidden feelings start to become uh, evident. And it just kind of culminates, you know, from there. So I like that idea. Uh, as far as the movie itself, uh, I found it very grating at times. The uh, I wasn't particularly enamored with the cinematography. I didn't like the... Um, it, it almost had a, a home movie quality to it, like a found footage quality in a way, where one of the characters was shooting a documentary about them making the movie, and all yeah. of that footage I thought was really not, not great because the, like, the frame rate was super low on it, so it kind of had this um, choppy look to it, and I, I didn't really like that very much uh and a lot of it had this kind of sepia tone and i wasn't yeah, it looks like, i wasn't very yeah it looks like they had uh they had fun fun with filters <laughs> yeah it's it seems like it was kind of filter heavy I, at times yeah i didn't i didn't like that too much either and a, a lot of it a lot of the movie just uh the characters annoyed me a lot like they just they they, they they're incessant arguing and uh it just got it just got on my nerves. I can see that. And it says on IMDb that it's an hour and fifty three minutes, but I'm fairly certain that the actual runtime is is less than that. Oh, uh, this is the main thing that was really confusing to me because on the on the Vimeo page of the director himself, the movie shows like an hour and thirty something like that. The IMDb page shows an hour and fifty three. I think the actual runtime of this is sixty one minutes. Yeah. It's it's even short. like the little you know the little bar at the bottom like it was going through the credits and there's still like a fourth of it left to like play out but then it just stopped so I don't know some sort of odd glitch going on there I don't know because uh, at first I was like is, did I actually like see the, is there like a chunk of this missing like did I see the whole thing is there some sort of weird glitch on Vimeo like is it actually an hour and 53 minutes did we miss I don't think so like 52 minutes of this movie I watched it through the credits and I did not see it didn't seem like there was going to be a stinger at the end a post credit stinger yeah the circus animals too uh so Kevin you 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 were pretty high on this one what what did you think what did, what did I don't know I don't know if I would go so high you know so far as to say that I was kind of high on this one, I I appreciated moments of this. I think overall, uh, like you, I found it a bit grating and a bit overbearing at times. Um, just because the the sheer amount of like emotion that they try to kind of force into every scene, like you know, you have the initial jump off where they're like having the party and they're celebrating, and they're giving their toast and everything, and they're saying wonderful things about each other and they love each other so much and they're going to make this movie and then like it's just that the whole way through which i can appreciate like being there for your friends and stuff but like it's just incessantly trying to just shove that as much emotion into every scene as possible and then of course you get the music in on it too and you have the musical cues and stuff just at a lot of you know points it was just it was overbearing it's just it felt like they were forcing things and there, in my review, I, there's two scenes that I talk about where it didn't. It felt like they kind of were able to capture what they wanted, but it it felt organic. It didn't feel 
like they were, you know, overstraining or, you know, pressing to get those moments. But it's just, it's a lot of that for 61 minutes of just, just really just pressing, just trying to make things happen. Yeah. And it's, it's really overbearing at times because it's like that the whole movie, like the whole way through. Yeah. Emotions run high on every one of these characters nonstop. Like the producers freaking out and I get it. You're in a stressful environment. You're trying to make this movie. You're trying to, I think that it would be very difficult to make a movie with your friends, with your close friends, because, you know, it's like mixing business with, you know, your family, essentially. And I I think that that would be stressful or an added stress. Yes. um, Because it would be harder to make things professional and you would take things more personally. Mm -hmm. So I totally get that. And and again, that was one of the things that I appreciate about this film, but... I felt like emotions were just running way too high. Like, I felt like some of the responses that they had and some of the interactions felt exaggerated. And I was just like, I don't know if it would, it would turn out that way in real life. Like, I don't know if, it, if they would be this emotional. And maybe it's just because my group of friends and yeah, my that's, peers, yeah, that's the are, they're a very different type of people than these people. And, and I just can't relate to this because it's like, if I were to, if I were to set out to make a movie with my friends or even my coworkers, I don't think it would be like this. <laughs> no, it would just be mostly. Yeah, I think it would be very much different. Very, very much different. Um, but you, you know, the, like right off the bat, one of the the main issues or you know the main uh, like conflict of this movie is that the main actor, who's actually the director of the film, the writer and editor and everything, Nicholas Bateman. He he wrote the you know the movie that they're making in the movie. He wrote the movie about his then girlfriend at the time, and it's about them and stuff. And then apparently you know they broke up, but now they're shooting the movie, and she's the lead actress. Where it's like a love story type thing, and that's a lot of the conflict comes from there. And I'm just thinking, I maybe you just don't hire her to be the other actress. Yeah, maybe like, just avoid maybe that. just find, <laughs> just find another actress. Like you know. It could be uh, that would that would that would clear a lot of stuff up and just probably make the whole the whole thing a little bit easier. Yeah, because she's, if I'm not mistaken, she's in a relationship with another person. That's with the director, and then yeah, yeah. And the actor is the, the makeup girl, like the actor, and then there's issues caused there. But they're readily not developed that great either, because there's the whole scene with the director and the the, the main actress. And you know they're like sitting in the car, and he's talking about like, are you are you going to remember any of this? And then she's like, no. And it's like this big emotional scene, and you're like, oh wait, you guys are together? Like I didn't even know. Yeah, I didn't either. Like, why are you so like worked up about this? It doesn't seem like this was a serious relationship. Like I'm just I'm just now being introduced to it, and now you're trying to wring like intense emotion out of it. I don't even know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, this one was just not for me. I. Appreciated what they were going for with it. I just felt like a student film to me. Yeah, I like some of it. Mostly those two scenes where they, that like that's the main conflict is where they have they have to film the the love scene that they do. Yeah, and that gets uh, that gets tempers flared. Yeah, that was a, that was a definitely probably the most powerful scene in the movie. I'd say. Yeah, that was definitely the highlight. And I, I, it's like especially the, the way they very smartly shot that one where they kept the focus on the director and the 
the producer and is that yeah i, and I then like they, that you know, they kind of capture the makeup girl in the back because it the felt way they they made us feel as uncomfortable as everyone in that room and yeah. that that was definitely i thought the the best scene in the in the film it's definitely the highlight and it's like the that section of where it's like oh shit this is what they're capable of all right <laughs> it's just unfortunately everything outside of that not quite uh, there not up yeah not up to snuff with with that i will be interested to see what nicholas bateman's next project is though like what what he's got coming down the pipeline he'll, he'll be somebody that i watch for sure let's give the circus animals a score i will give it a five out of ten i'll give it a six all right next up on the list we have was number three the burden of my company this is directed by erickson just i have a synopsis here unable to find personal fulfillment erickson a young adult on the horizon of his 30s dives headfirst into an existential spiral of artistic indulgence as he attempts to co-opt his friends into making a movie with him. Now, I have a little bit of an issue with that synopsis in that the the whole movie thing is so... uh, It's not really explored that much at all. Like, that doesn't seem to be the focal point of the film. It seems to be more about him just being lazy and, and... uh, not just having a series of unfortunate events happen to him. Yeah. I mean, they kind of play with the, that whole idea of, like, maybe, like, twice. And it's it's one of those movies where it, it attempts to be very meta in that we're watching the movie that he's writing in the movie. Yeah. and the, this, is, this is this new thing that I like to call memoir cinema because it seems like everyone writes fucking memoirs nowadays. Hmm. Because there's memoirs for every fucking thing. Like, if you, you know, you have like 20 some year olds writing memoirs. Because <laughs> they're like, I have a lot of headaches. I'm going to write a memoir. My life with yeah, headaches. The old quarter it's life like, crisis. Yeah, it's like, who gives, who gives a shit? Like, stop. Uh, and that's kind of my issue with this movie. It reminded me a lot of like uh, Chemical Cut, where it's like this I want to make a movie, but I'm not really sure what I'm going to make a movie about. So I'll make a movie about like me making a movie. Yeah. The, the, the struggles Which, the struggles of uh, white privilege. And your story's not interesting. I'm sorry. Like, these stories are just not interesting. Like, just come up with a movie, okay? I agree. Uh, this, it, this, felt like, uh, this felt like a mumblecore movie that, that happened way too late, you know? <laughs> you know, after the whole mumblecore craze came and went. Well, and, it, you know, it kind of, like, my main problem with it is it, it feels really indulgent, which I know is like part of the point. And I don't know, you know, you've thrown that in to kind of make it uh, criticism proof or something. I don't, I don't know, but it's just it feels overly indulgent to me. Where it's, it's just not. There's nothing here. Yeah, uh... it's just the guy getting sidetracked and jerking off a bunch of times and not doing anything. Like I, I like my life is really boring. Okay, I don't really do much. I mow the lawn, I iron shirts, I go to work, uh, and I watch TV and movies. And guess what? I'm not going to make a movie with it about it because no one wants to see that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm not delusional thinking that people want to see that. Yeah. My life is not interesting. This is a comedy. Um, I, I, there were a couple parts that made me laugh. I can't remember them off the top of my head. Uh, but one one of the things that, kind of got me about this movie was that it, it just uh 
wasn't very well put together. Um, there were a lot of technical glitches in this movie. There was one scene, I don't know if you caught it, but there's a scene where his friend gets up to answer the door, and there was like, there was a weird edit where it like skipped a frame, and like he was getting up to go, and then he disappeared for like one frame, and then reappeared at the door. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, oh no, like you didn't spot that. And then there were like, there was one whole scene where there was a giant white spot on the lens in like the lower left corner. And I know that that's probably a nitpick. This is a this is a, a shoestring budget movie. This is you know a, a movie where you can let things like that slide. But it just it bothered me. Like it just well, and it did, like those little things. Yeah, okay, and let them slide. But we have a bigger issue here, of which plays into this whole, it's not put together that well, is there's large chunks of dialogue where the shit just doesn't match up with what they're saying. Yeah. Like, the mouth's moving. And it's not like, you know, you, they kind of, like, try and sneak it in, like, you know, the camera's focused on the back of their head or something. And you can kind of clearly tell that, you know, they, they did it after the fact. No, it's just, like, camera just flat on, just straight on the character. His mouth is moving, but the things that you're hearing is not what's coming out of his mouth, <laughs> clearly. Like, it's a whole scene, okay? And now I can understand, you know, shooting budget, all that stuff. I can get that. But at the same time, what I don't understand is you're shooting digitally, okay? You're not, like, digital doesn't cost money. Like, you can just shoot as much shit as you want, and you're shooting it with friends. Yeah. Just, just do it again. Just do it again. It's not like you're shooting on film where it's like, shit, we got to get this right because we, we have to pay for the physical film. Right, right. Just redo it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, with having no budget, dealing with sound editing and mixing and all of that stuff becomes, uh, becomes difficult. And I don't know how that scene was, like, what happened with that. If they did multiple takes and just the one that they used didn't, didn't match up with that angle. I, I yeah. don't know. I don't know what happened there. But well, and I, you know, I and it just it, I guess it's kind of unfortunate for this movie that like I mean, we've talked about this numerous times before. But that's like one of my I can't I can't watch something where the audio is not synced up. Like I can't do it. Oh, it, like, I don't I don't care yeah. how good it is. I don't want to watch it. Yeah, it, that drives me crazy. That audio sync issues. Then, it's, it's I feel like that it's not something that should exist in a final product of a movie. Because in the editing process, you can see, you can see, this is not synced up. We need to do something about this. Be it a reshoot, be it, you know, coming up with a way to mask it, use a different angle on a different take, or just something to cover that up. Yeah, just, or just breathe. I don't, you know, if you have the camera on the guy saying the stuff, just have a camera on the guy that's listening and then just to have it that right. Yeah. You don't you have to worry about that too, yeah. But it's just, it, and especially when considering we're talking about a scene where a guy's just like stuffing Doritos in his face or something and talking about how he wants a puppy. Yeah. Like, it's bad enough that I'm watching you eat and you're talking about nonsense. Like, and then you can't even sync it up. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, I don't have a lot to say about this one. It just, uh, it was a miss for me. It, uh, had... It's occasionally funny. Yeah, it had a a couple funny parts, and I actually did like... I thought that Eric Erickson Just's character was funny, but 
there just wasn't a lot going on. There wasn't a lot to latch on to here. Like, I didn't care. I didn't care that he got his car impounded, and I didn't care that he he got fired because he was, you know, a slacker. Like, what am I supposed to empathize with him? I know, because I'm just like, I'm, my thought is like, yeah, you should have been fired ages ago. And I, I don't like, know if we were supposed to feel empathy towards him. I think that it was supposed to be... You know, kind of, uh, I think that was part of the comedy. It was that, you know, there's this, this, you know, lazy slacker guy who just, you know, had these things occurring to him and that, that was supposed to be funny. You know, we're supposed to be laughing at his misfortune. And I get that, but I just didn't find it that humorous. And I just didn't, I just didn't care that much about what was happening to him, be it a good thing or a bad thing. I thought that his friends were assholes. Yeah. And, that's something that I think is difficult to convey in, in a film. A lot of friends, you know, give each other a hard time. Like, we do that. We give each other a hard time. We make fun of each other and stuff like that. But from the outside looking in, it just comes off as, like, why is he even friends with these people in the first place? Like, why does he even bother hanging out with them? They're terrible people. Yeah. And it's like, like, like the one girl, like, literally beat him up. Like what? Like what's that all about? She attacked him. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's something. <laughs> it's, it's something with that friend. Yeah, that that was one of the one of the main things that kept running through my head. Is anytime he would like spend time with his friends, I'm just thinking, why? Why? Like, why are you guys friends with each other? Like, doesn't make sense to me. Like, I don't see anything. Like, I don't even see like just like a little hint. Of like, hey, we look out for each other. Yeah. Which is kind of usually, you know, like, the, the like that's the give and take. Like, we can make fun of each other because we're also there for yeah, each we other. Each like, we have it. Yeah, that, and you but... help each other out. That's kind of like the give and take. But you're watching these guys, and it's just like, they just hate each yeah, other. Yeah, I mean, he, like, he this gives, is a really weird friendship. He gives his friend his script that he's been working on forever, and they tear it up in front of him. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, whoa. Yeah, that's kind of a dick move. And they're like tearing it up and laughing in his face. Yeah, it's a bit much. Yeah, uh, I don't. Uh, this one just wasn't uh, didn't didn't do it for me. Didn't get a lot out of this one. Yeah, uh, yeah, and just unfortunately again for you know the thing that takes it over the the hump for me and makes me really not like it is the fact that one of the main things in this movie is essentially like equivalent of hulu not working which like like that really pisses me off but you have it in your movie like on purpose like don't do that not sure if it was on purpose but it was just something that was never addressed but, but at the same time you if you're putting it out there you're attaching your name to it i i mean you know it's there they knew it was there yeah it must have been a situation where they were like, well, it's as good as it can get. We can't really fix it. Yeah, you know, but at that time, that time you got to have... Cut that scene. Just cut the scene. You know, like, either, how, either how, important, scene how important was that? Not very. No, and it, none of the scenes in this movie were really that important. But and also, at the same time, like, that's just, like, that's not good enough to put out to people. Like, just scrap it. Be like, oh, I should maybe try and make another movie. Yeah, just because you spent all this time on it, like it's not worthy. I'm sorry. Like to me, it's barely a film. Like I don't know if I would constitute this as a film. Mm. Like this is like a rough draft to me. 
I could see this being a, a rough cut of a film. Yeah. Not a final cut. All right, let's go ahead and give The Burden of My Company a score. Kevin, what are you going to give this out of 10? I give it a, a 1. A 1? Oh, God. I'm sorry, man. And you don't even have anything. Like, the only thing you really have going in this movie is, like, some decent writing in there, which I'm not, I'm not that high on in films. Like, it's kind of unimportant to me. And you have some decent uh, chemistry between the main... But there's like no cinematography. There's nothing cinematic about this movie. I agree. I agree. There is there. I didn't get a very cinematic vibe from this movie at all. I did uh, like the writing though. I thought that the that the writing was pretty decent. So yeah, for me, I'm gonna give it a uh, two and a half. Okay. I like how I give it one. You're like, oh geez. <laughs> then I give it a two and a half. I know. Right? <laughs> I don't know. For some reason, a one is just. just I don't two. know. The gap between a two and a half and a one seems. More than it really is, I guess. Hmm. I don't know. Next up, we got Some Guy Who Kills People. This is directed by Jack Perez. I have a synopsis here. Ken Boyd, a lonely man fresh out of the loony bin, sets out to kill those he deems responsible for his miserable life. Now, I saw this, uh, I don't know, three years ago. So I, I, I did rewatch it because I didn't remember much. So I did rewatch yeah. it. Now, the thing that's so disappointing about this movie for me is that it's got a great cast. I mean, you got Kevin Corrigan, Barry Bostwick, um, Leo Fitzpatrick's in there. Um, Karen Black. Karen Black. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the, who's the girl? Lucy Davis. Yeah. Uh, from from uh, The Office, the original Office, and Shaun of the Dead. So you got a good cast in there. But for, for me, this movie just didn't formulate into anything at all enjoyable. John Landis executive produced this too. Yeah. You got some, some big name talent here, but I felt like the movie itself was ugly, very ugly. And I just, uh, I didn't enjoy it. I will say that I enjoyed it more. Like I hated it, or I should say I hated it less the second time around. <laughs> Cause the first time I saw this movie several years ago, I, I couldn't stand it, but Rewatching it, I liked it a little bit more, but I, I still would not say that this is a movie that uh, I, I could recommend, unfortunately. No. What did you think of Some Guy Who Kills People? Terrible title, by I, the way. Come on, guys. It's just, it's an awful title. I don't, I don't really know what they're going for here. Like, I don't... It's a comedy. It's a horror comedy, by the way. But there's, like, barely any horror in it, except for, like, a couple scenes. There's a couple murder scenes, but... Which just makes it feel really out of whack tonally like it's just like it's just it's trying to be this like sweet movie where this guy's like reconnecting with this kid that he hasn't seen in 11 years and then all of a sudden it's just like decapitation and then back to like she's playing basketball he's teaching her how to shoot hoops she's really weird it's all over the place um comedy kevin but it's a dark comedy yeah i guess but also just like, I don't understand the whole twist thing. Like, I don't know how to talk about this without just ruining it. Because the way they set it up is, like, Kevin Corrigan's the killer. Just, like, right off well, the bat. Well, in the synopsis. I mean, in, the synopsis in the synopsis. And in the, the cover of the, of the movie. So you think yeah. he's the killer. I mean, they, it's, a, it's a giant red herring, let's be honest. Like, they set it up. They, they basically telegraph the fact that he's the killer. And I never once thought, like... Is he? Is he? Is he the killer? Is he not? But then they set up this twist, and you're just like, oh, well, that's that's dumb. 
Well, that's all, like that's what I'm thinking. Like the whole way through, I'm like, okay, so he's he's either the killer because there's only two ways we can really go with this. He's either going to be the killer or he's not going to be the killer. Okay, you know, it's one or the other. If he ends up being the killer, okay, fine, I can live with that. If you'd like explore his character in some way, which they don't, and have and- him be questioning his. There's something, the, him, anything. Him continuing <laughs> to do this because, you know, after the murders start happening, his life turns around. Like, he, he gets a girlfriend, he reconnects with his daughter. Like, things are going very well for him. Yeah. But then it, there comes a point in time where I thought, like, okay, it's not, it's not going to be him. You know, they're going to they're gonna do a twist and it's going to be in somebody else, which... They do, and it's really lazy. It's it's lazy because it's the first person you think that it would be, if not him. Mm-hmm. And yes. the there is no clear motivation as to why this person is doing this. There's there's there is no reason for this person to be doing this. They never establish why. Why would you be? Why why would this person be doing this? Yes. So, so when the, at some point in time, uh, you know, Kevin Corgan at some point in time been like. Hey, um, you know how we went to high school together and like all the people are dying? Like that's kind of weird, right? Yeah. Like is something going on? Like you kind of, you would probably talk about it at some point in time. You bring it up. But also let's not overlook the fact that Kevin Corrigan is just watching people die. Yeah. Just getting he knows people are about to be murdered and he's just like, Oh, I'll leave now, I guess. He's gonna murder that person. Like he and you know at the end he's kind of like I'm I'm innocent. It's like uh not really. Like you were there for all the murders and did nothing. Yeah. Like that's against the law as as well. Like you ha- you have an obligation to call the police when stuff is happening. Yeah, I think you could almost be charges an accessory at that point. Yes. Like you were there, and that's where it like gets really lazy because he's like he like walks in after one of the people are killed and it's like it's just. Well, the conveniences that this movie takes to get to its end point, and its end point is not even that, you know, no. it's not even that special or distinctive, right? I mean, it's nothing. It's just like, hey, I'm kind of back to square one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I did like Barry Bostwick's character as the sheriff. I thought that, <laughs> you know, when, when they first introduced him, I was like, oh, great, here we go, the bumbling sheriff. But the interesting thing about his character is that He's actually smart. Like, he actually is able to, like, he's funny. He's joking around. He's doing the puns. But he's actually good at his job, and he's able to put, put the pieces together. And yeah. I appreciated that. But he's, not, but he's not too good at his job, but he also realizes that he's not, like, a fucking genius. Yeah, exactly. We're not going, like, oh, shit, he's like Monk. Yeah, he turned out to be, he turned out to be my favorite character in the movie. And he was kind of the bright spot. And it's also just, as much as I love Kevin Corrigan, I love Kevin Corrigan. I do too. Right? But to make his character the way that he is, and then to have him carry the movie, where he's a guy that's just like, I don't want to talk. Yeah, he's very, very stoic. He just doesn't, he just kind of... It's like, man, that's no, that's rough yeah. to have to, yeah. you know, to be the center of this movie, to be the central figure, and to carry this thing. And I can essentially just watching a guy that, a character that doesn't want to be in this movie or in this story. It's unfortunate. A lot of, just, a lot of it just doesn't make sense to me. I don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
I, I yeah, it's just it's totally off. Like it's all over the place. You know, he works in an ice cream shop, so it's got this kind of retro vibe to it during the scenes in the ice cream shop, and it's just I don't I don't like the look of it. Just the look of this movie just turns me off. I just I don't like it. No, I don't like anything uh, about it. It's just it's a bizarre one. It's a very odd movie. Yeah, I would say that out of all of the out of the four, this is the most professionally made. I mean, it yeah. clearly has the biggest budget, but but in a way that's yeah almost it's, worse because <laughs> it's like I should expect more. I'm also not sure as to why this this one was in this festival because this came out a long time ago. I mean, it had distribution. It's on VOD. It's at, it's like I believe it's out on DVD. So I don't, I don't really know why this was... This is executive produced by John yeah, Landis. Yeah, so I'm not really sure why, like, why this... 20, it came out in 2011. Yeah, I, I don't really know why this was in this festival to begin with. And this is the same guy, this, this director, he did Wild Things 2. He did Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus. Yeah. It's like, eh, I just don't know if this really fits. And it came out on DVD in Sweden, Netherlands, Germany. Not only does this guy does this does his film have a, come out on DVD, it came out on DVD in other countries. Yeah, so I'm just uh, I'm not really sure about this one. Uh, all right, some guy who kills people. I will give this one a three and a half out of ten. I'll give it the same thing. All right. Next up, we have Two Fingers, The Windy City Wonder. Right, that's what we're. Yeah, that's the one that came in first. Two fingers. So this is the first place winner. This is written and directed by Scott Barrand. I have a synopsis here. Uh, George Natoli is a regular guy extraordinaire, family man, rocker, stuntman, and sausage king of Chicago. At 35, in need of a new challenge, George reinvents himself as a professional res- wrestler. This says professional wrestle in the synopsis. Need to, need to fix that. <laughs> Vito, two finger Fontaine. Follow him into the world of pro wrestling where the more you love someone, the harder you hit him. Even if it's with a rubber chicken. Yeah. Now, Kevin. George Gennali. Kevin. They were really harping on that rubber chicken. They brought that up a couple times. They did. They really focused on the rubber chicken shtick. They just kept, but the funny thing was is they just kept saying the same thing about the rubber chicken. That it hurt. That, yeah, they just kept reiterating that it hurt. Like... Like that was would surprise us. Yeah, I don't know. Like it's a rubber chicken. Like rubber fucking hurts. You ever get hit with rubber hose? <laughs> Shit hurts. I don't know if I. It's not surprising th- to me. This uh, this is a documentary, by the way. I don't know if I mentioned that or if it was evident, but I should mention this is a documentary about this guy. It's interesting, uh, Kevin. You and I actually know someone who's a professional wrestler. Correct. And I, I would be curious to see. What what Jared what he, thinks of this this movie? Wilbur, the old Wilbur Whitlock. Yeah. Yes, I forgot that I wanted to see if he's ever wrestled any of these guys because he travels it sometimes too. Yeah, and does wrestling and stuff. Like he's he's wrestled hacksaw Jim Duggan. It's so interesting to me that I'm not into pro wrestling at all. Like I could care less. I don't get it. It's just not for me. But I know. One of our friends is a professional professional wrestler, and then I also know somebody who's in the WWE. I know one of the WWE divas, and it's just uh, it's just weird how I have that 
connection it's, to, it's to two a, to two people in the world of professional wrestling. <laughs> it's a it's a it is an odd world to me. And I will say that I do find it interesting because I don't it's so hard for me to wrap my head yeah, around. Exactly. Not- like especially in the case of like our friend that does you know, he does like local wrestling, like mm-hmm. the hardcore, which is a lot like what Two Fingers does in yeah, this movie. Yeah. And, you know, you see the crowds where there's like 60 people, maybe. Yeah, sometimes and more, sometimes less. Sometimes more, sometimes less. But the amount of like the work that you put into it, the, the fact that you're getting hit with chairs and, you know, you're spending money too to buy these tables and stuff and to set this elaborate stuff up and then to essentially kick the shit out of each other with. You know, I can't imagine that you get paid that well. No, I can't imagine it, uh, it either. You know, like the tickets to these things, you know, I'm people not, aren't paying that yeah, much to go to. I'm not sure it's even about, for the wrestlers, I'm not sure that it's even about the money. I think that it's about the energy that you draw from the crowd and just, I think that it, it I, seems like it'd be fun. It, it seems yeah. like it would be a fun thing to do. Like, I don't know that I, I would never risk my body in that that. That's such a that type of way for such a little return, you know. That's what I mean. They, like, they, I mean, these guys kill themselves. Like sometimes, literally, looking at you know what what has happened in the past with wrestlers and uh, traumatic brain injury and all of that stuff. Yeah, and it's just it just seems like the payoff is not enough for me to want to do that to myself. No, it's just I find it. It's so bizarre to me. It's theater. Because it's I mean, bizarre that's... in the world, like, the wrestler themselves. I find all that to be very bizarre. The crowd, that is bizarre to me. And really, the main thing is, like, the announcer guy. Like, how it, that just takes it to, like, another level. Yeah, because where they're that... they're just, like, so into yeah, it. Yeah, that amps up the crowd even more. And it's, it's, all, it's all... crazy. It's just theater. That's, that's all it is. is it's, it's theater. I have... Um, several of my coworkers, a couple of my coworkers are really into wrestling and I talk to them about it sometimes just to, just to try to understand. And I tried to get into wrestling when I was younger. Like I, I used to watch, you know, uh, back when it was still the WWF, I would watch it, but I just could never get into it. I think the trick is the, your suspension of disbelief, like being able yeah. to, you know, it's fake, obviously. But being able to just dive into the the theatrical aspect of it and the story and let yourself believe that this is yeah. what you're watching but it's is real. Still, it's still difficult because like the the physical aspects of it are real. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, like yeah. they really like they beat the shit out of it. Like they really hurt each other and stuff. Yeah. So it's just it's tough to watch it and be like, you're getting paid nothing for this. <laughs> Like, the crowd's not that big. Like, you guys are just hurting each other for... I don't really see why. I don't know. It's just hard for me to to move past that and to just, like, get into it. Like, yo, it's two middle-aged men hurting each other. This is awesome. Yeah. Like, I just... I'm, I, I'm like, worried about you. <laughs> yeah, oh, shit, you gotta go to work tomorrow, yeah, man. Like... Uh, like, especially, like, there's a, there's, there's a scene in this movie... This movie is largely comprised of just showing full matches. Of, yeah, of... it's not a good document. Let's just jump into that real yeah. quick. It's not a good documentary. It's, I mean, it's like the basis of documentary. Yes, yeah, it's, it's very, very simple. This movie, it's very simple. Like, as far essentially, as... they're just like George 
tell us about your life. Yeah. And they just let George, like, they don't explore anything. They don't ask any tough questions. It, it, honestly, they could have used some more involvement. Like, well, you know, a lot of times we, we don't like that when a filmmaker gets too involved. With, but this was just kind of like, he asked one question, like, hey, what do you do? And then just lost control. <laughs> And George just took over and was like, oh, "I do this. Here's footage of this wrestling match. This wrestling." And then, yeah, and then, and then th- that's the other thing is like, this is a very impersonal documentary. Even though it's about this guy and the stuff he's into, it it is so surface level in that you know that there's more to this guy than just him being the sausage king and being a wrestler. And then they they get a little bit into the fact that he's in a band, like. There's more to this guy than that. Like, why is he... Oh, and they get into the fact he's in, into rugby, too. And there, there's more to this guy. There's more under the surface. Like, let's, let's get a little bit personal. Let's maybe go into some places that he doesn't want you to go. You know, just, well, like, just one of the deliver the things, full story about this guy. Well, one of the first things is they go over this sausage, which, honestly, I found the whole sausage thing to be more interesting than the wrestling. Because, you know, it's like this like it seems like it's a neighborhood favorite it's famous everyone loves this play yeah. it's been handed down mm-hmm. and they even match the fact that like oh my dad was a professional wrestler and they have like pictures and stuff and then they're like he's a professional wrestler i'm like oh shit that'll be interesting when they get into that you know like father and son doing wrestling they never no. discuss it whatsoever no they just all they do is mention that his dad was a wrestler and show a picture and that's pretty much it yeah and i was like i'm thinking like what was his name? What was his character like? Like, did he get into wrestling because his dad? Yeah, exactly. Was into you don't wrestling? even, you don't even like, know what? if he got into it because of his dad. You could maybe assume that, but you know, it, it seemed like yes. Yeah, like they, and that's the thing. Like, you don't even know what his relationship with his dad was like. Like, was it was it? A, it seemed like a strong relationship, but you know, there, there's so many questions about that type of stuff. And there's I'm even also, one. There's even one scene where he tells the person behind the camera he's like well i thought we weren't gonna like really get too personal or whatever that's i'm paraphrasing that's not exactly what he says but at that point i realized like okay clearly this this documentary is not going to go too deep into this yeah so you know a lot of it is just him wrestling like full matches from beginning to end and you know they're they're kind of interesting i guess because you we spent some personal time with this guy. So we kind of feel like we sort of know him. So maybe it adds a little dimension to the matches, but not much. And it's just, it's filler. Let's be honest. Yeah. It's filler. Like there's two, I think there's two matches where it's just full on start to finish. Yeah. They're like, about. they're like at least 10 minutes long each. And you're just like, Oh, okay. We're going to, Oh, we're just going to play through the whole thing. All right. <laughs> yeah. I did think it was crazy yeah. the the one match where he and this goes back to what we were saying about how these you know middle aged guys are basically killing each other on stage for sixty fans. There's a scene where he's wrestling this one guy and he hits him with a with a drain pipe and it basically slices off a chunk of this guy's arm and the guy keeps they keep wrestling they keep it going and there's just blood everywhere. I mean. At that time, I'm thinking, I this seems like it's kind of an amateur thing. Did, well, it's even really guys... bizarre, too, because he keeps pointing out, too, that he's like, the crowd is dead silent. Like, they were really going, 
But as soon as they realized what was happening, they go dead silent. And we just kept going, man. And it's like, obviously, this isn't really about the rush that you guys are getting from the fans anymore because the fans are clearly like they're disturbed fucked up yeah like this they need to stop this shit this is weird yeah like stop it it. look and they keep going and going and going it's like you're not doing this for the fans anymore and then the guy and then the guy he throws him on the ropes and the freaking ropes break and he falls off the out of the ring and it's just like oh my god you got to end this you have to end this match. It's just, it's that's yeah. Like there's a certain point where it, 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 it goes past like a, a, a certain threshold where you're like, this is just really disturbing. Yeah, this is just like watching someone like, like this is really a mess. Hurt another person. It's just like, all right, now I feel, it, now I feel, but hurt. it's, a, but it's a mess. Like, it's not like, it's not like boxing where, you know, like they're hitting each other in the face and stuff. And there's, you know, some, you know, some like small semblance of beauty to the motion right. and stuff. Like this is just like <laughs> the rings falling apart. Chunk yeah. is like the fans aren't even into it. They don't want to watch anymore. Like, what is <laughs> happening? The fuck is going on? Like, why did no one mention dig into that a little bit? Something. But no, it's just like they kind of chuck it off and they move on to the next match. And it's just like, what? Also in boxing and in even in UFC. When shit gets like that bad, they stop it. Like they're like, "All right, this is this is getting too." I swear, yeah, when, even when, when there's like blood, like both both people were just covered in blood, and it was just like, "All right, th- this has to end." And then there's even the point where they're they're talking about that other guy that he always fights with, and they they talk about like, "Oh, I like to go against the rules, so I go out in the crowd doing stuff." And they talk about like everyone was got like really pissed off with us because. He almost hit that baby stroller. Oh, yeah, that's scene. But he, we both knew that that was there, and we were totally in control of the situation. Number one, why is there a baby stroller there? <laughs> yeah. Number two, like, I don't know if you guys were really in control of that situation. I think you just kind of said that I, after the fact, because the stuff that you say afterwards, you're just like, it kind of makes it seem like we were just wrecking shit, and I was like, whoa, this is crazy. It's just like, yeah, right after that, he talks about like, how he fell into a table and knocked the person's appetizers and drinks over yeah and it's, it's just like, like is this this seems really selfish yeah. like in a really bizarre way like you guys are being really selfish of wanting someone else to beat you up i, I think like this like what is the psychology behind this and that's something that i wish the documentary would dive into a little bit you know go a little deeper and and, and that scene where they were like oh we were we we're in complete control and all this stuff it's like i don't think you were I I imagine that once once those matches start, you you know your adrenaline starts pumping, and I would imagine that the world surrounding you, the crowd, all of that stuff, uh, becomes very hazy. Like I would imagine that you're pretty pretty focused on just the match and noticing a baby stroller that's right there where you're fighting. Like they probably didn't even notice that it was there. Yeah, it's like why if you're gonna go into the crowd, like don't go into the portion of the crowd that has the baby stroller. <laughs> like if you're if you know what's going on and you're in control, yeah, exactly. Just if you're in control, you don't go near that baby stroller to begin with. Because I don't think anyone in the crowd's like, oh shit, look how close they're getting to that baby stroller. Like, this is crazy. This is, fucking, <laughs> this is fucking insane. Uh, getting back to the the documentary itself, I didn't really like the the little title card. Transition no, with that the was different the sections. Only, 
that was the only bit of creativity that showed up. I didn't think they were necessary, and I just uh, didn't didn't really. I mean, the 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 fact is, this is a documentary that doesn't need to it's, exist. It's just it's a foot. It's a fluff piece. It's like a fluff profile yeah. piece that you would see in your like in your local newspaper. It's like yeah, this this guy does a lot of stuff and does stuff cool but i mean they didn't even go they didn't even go deep enough like or maybe they tried and it failed on him but like what does his wife think of this yeah because he's running a shop that it seems like is like taking care of the family but then he goes out and like you know he goes like a rundown of like pinched disc and he can't feel his arm and this injury and this injury and tore this tendon and this it's like what are the healthcare costs yeah. that he's that his family has to take care of because of him doing this thing on the like the weekends? Yep. And it's just a very it's so irresponsible. Yep. And just immature and selfish. It's so bizarre to me. Yep. Uh I yeah, I just wish they would get into those aspects a little bit more and and what it boils down to is, is this this is just a guy. This is an interest he's an interesting guy. He's a likable guy. And he does a bunch of stuff, and he has kind of a unique uh, life. You know, he's done some interesting things with his life, but it's like, does the world need to see that? Like, I don't, I don't know if it's just necessary for a documentary. Like, I, I, I don't, yeah. like, you're assuming that people are going to just be interested in this guy's story, but the fact is, it's not that compelling of a story. Like, he's done a lot of cool shit, sure. With, and the other thing that have, I found, you know, there's there's yeah. astronauts, there's people that have gone to space, you know? <laughs> yeah, there's, there's people that have climbed Mount Everest, and there's just there's a lot of people in the world that have done a lot of really cool things. But the other interesting thing that I, I at least I find interesting is of all the people that they talk to in this movie, because again, this is where I kind of get like, what's the psychology of all of this? They don't really. You know, they're talking to like the promoter guy himself, the, you know, the actual wrestler, two fingers, like um, the other wrestlers that he wrestles against, like all of these people and like the announcer and everything. But and they're all talking about like how great he is. and Oh, he's so wonderful. And he does this stick. And oh, God, the rubber chicken. Oh, man, it hurts. Like all this stuff. But like they never really talk to like any fans. Yeah. And they're like, oh, yeah, two fingers. Like, he's my favorite wrestler. Like, oh, he's so, like, it's just all, like, it's so insular. Just the people that do the thing are really into it and really think that these guys are great. But I have no one from the outside that, like, pays money to see this. Yeah. Like, what do do, like, people actually, like, what do they think? I have no idea. Like, do they just think that, like, this is a fucking joke? <laughs> you know, like, will they do the pan of, like, the, the crowd at one point? They don't do it that often, but they did it, like, one time. There's a shit ton of empty seats, number one. Number two, kids are going crazy. And then, like, 50% of the adults there are just, just stone-faced. Like, Yeah, so it's like, are they there, just, are they just be... bringing their kids there? Or yeah. Like, what? And they're... Yeah, you can tell that they just brought their kids there, and they're like, oh, "This better not take long." <laughs> and then it's really difficult when they do the Toyota Park thing, like his end of the. Oh yeah. Like you had to run out a whole stadium for like eighty people. Yeah, it was like half empty. It's sad. That was kind of sad. I thought. That's so, yeah. That's it's it is sad. 
it's just like was his family there for that Did like does does his family come to his matches and watch him maybe probably for that one i would imagine and then he's like the, the one match he's fighting the guy that works for him oh yeah that's like holy shit and the guy beats him that? he works for you like you're gonna get in a situation where you can injure this guy and then he can't show up for work and your health insurance has to take care of it yeah because I imagine the guy probably has health insurance through your company. You would assume, yeah. Like, what do you get workers' comp though? Is that? Well, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think you would get workers' comp, but <laughs> you know, he still could be out for like a couple of weeks, and he might have to go on FMLA <laughs> because you put him through a table that wouldn't work to get Aflac. Like, like, how do you explain that to your wife when you get home? It's just—it's such a bizarre. There's so many angles to this. That's but. Like you said, everything is just surface level. Yep, yep. All right, so that's Two Fingers, The Windy City Wonder. Now, you can watch all of these movies currently for free on fandependentfilms.com. Let's give a score to Two Fingers. Oh, man. What are you going to give this one? I think I scored the last one. You scored the last one. I'll score this one. I give it a one. (laughs) (laughs) What? It's not a documentary. Like... (laughs) I mean, it, it's a documentary in, like, the basis sense, but, mm. again, there's nothing cinematic to it. There's, like, there's no reason for this to exist in the realm of cinema. I agree. I agree. Uh, I'm going to give this one a 1.5. I... Like, this, maybe this isn't the correct, like, art form. Like, maybe this should be, like, a, a magazine spread. Yeah, or just, like, a, couple. like a cable access documentary, you know? Like something that the, something that the neighborhood people can watch and enjoy, because I, I, I really feel like that that's who this is for. This is for the people yeah. that know him and know the family and live in that neighborhood. Correct. So. All right, so that is the Fan Dependent Films Spring 2016 Festival. Now I want to say that we weren't high on any of these movies. However, that doesn't mean that there aren't a large number of very promising looking films that did screen at the festival these were just the top voted winners and we were discussing this off the air i don't know how accurate these are these aren't the best movies these are just the ones that got the most votes so just because we weren't big on the the top four doesn't mean that you shouldn't check this out and and keep and keep an eye on the site and see what movies are going to be on the next uh the summer festival that's happening in two weeks uh because we we were watching, you know, the the ones that they were adding, and there were a number of ones that you know we covered on the on the site previously with uh, Kevin, your your unsung unsung indies um, yeah, series, like a, and like last the last festival sabbatical was one of, I mean, that was like one of my highest films from last year. Yeah, so uh, I still implore you to check out the the site and keep an eye on the ones that get added because it's, I still believe that it's a, it's a really good idea. And they add a lot of really cool uh, independent films on there. It's just that, you know, some of these I think are probably friends and family makers or family makers, friends and family of the filmmakers that are voting, you know, upvoting these, these movies. uh, And, it may not be necessarily an accurate representation of what the festival has to offer. So I would say check back two weeks. The new one starts fan is, is the site. 
where this is not a paid promotion or anything like that. It's I, it's a, it's a really yeah, cool idea. Because if, if it was, I think they would be asking for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. That's true. I I we did we did say right up front that you know we we're gonna have to be honest about these movies, and I don't think that we were being overly harsh or being overly nice about them. It's just being straight down the middle, just giving our honest opinions about these particular movies. So check it out again, fanindependentfilms.com. All right, let's talk about some of what we've been watching on the watch list. Kevin, we'll start it with you this week. We'll start it with me because I only have one, and that's they look like people from Perry Blackshear. It's a, I guess the horror movie showed up on Netflix, and I was like, yeah, I'll give it a shot. They look like people. I think you did. You see this one? I thought I remembered you. I saw this one a long time ago. Actually, it was a festival yeah, one it, that I saw. Yeah, I was actually surprised by this. I enjoyed it far more than I thought I would. I had a feeling you were gonna like this one, because it's, it's not not your typical. It's, it's very. It's it's, re- it's it's pretty psychological. Yeah, more revolve, and then even at one point they point out that the guy's schizophrenic. So you like know that okay, this guy is schizophrenic. He might be on his medication. He might not be. Like, would it, how much of this is actually real? Or is he just imagining these things? How's he going to respond to it? You know, how are people going to respond to him? Because it gets in a really interesting place towards the end where his friend kind of essentially comes down to trust. That's what, like, the whole movie's about, like, trust and friendship. And, like, this guy, like, working with him as he's kind of, like, losing it more and more and more. And, uh... It all culminates, you know, there's really only one scene of, like, horror, really. I mean, there's some creepy stuff throughout. It just kind of makes everything kind of unsettling because um, of you know, how you know everything that's going on. And it really only builds up to, like, one scene towards the end where they really ratchet up the tension. And it just essentially comes down to, like, is this going to happen? Is this certain action going to happen? Because if it does, it's going to be terrifying. And it's going to be awful because of just, again, you know that this is just the real world. You know, there's nothing going on here. This is just a mentally ill man with his friend and something could go terribly, terribly wrong. So it kind of has that, you know, that like human element to it where it's just like really don't want to see this happen. I I remember thinking that this one was okay. I didn't love it, but I, I actually remember very little about it. Um, so that's, uh, they look like people. Great title, by the yes. way. And it's just the, the way they set everything up, because essentially the whole movie up to that point that they build up towards is just them creating the characters and cultivating the characters to really make that scene work at the end. And I thought that they did a fantastic job of it. Uh, so that's available on Netflix now. So I would I would give that a recommend as well. So yes, ch- check definitely. that one out if you're looking for a good psychological horror movie. Uh, I got to say that there's people doing work right outside my apartment. So it you may hear some uh, drilling and things. I don't know what the hell they're doing, but it just started up and it's really loud. So I apologize <laughs> in advance if you can hear that through the mic. I'm sure you can because it's loud as fuck. Uh, I saw a film called Breaking a Monster. This is a documentary about a heavy metal band called Unlocking the Truth that's comprised of uh, 13-year-old uh, African-American kids from Brooklyn. Three, three kids. Uh, and this was, it was kind of an interesting, it wasn't your typical rock doc in that this band is just starting out. Like they, the, the film picks up 
right when they kind of get discovered. They had a YouTube video that went viral and they picked up a manager because of that. And the manager ended up getting them a $1.8 million contract at Sony, Sony Records. And the film picks up basically right when they get the manager. So it's interesting to see the, the early steps of a band starting to make it. So you get this kind of behind the scenes look at the contract process, like reading over the, the record contracts and stuff and just un- how unbelievably ridiculous the music industry is. I mean, I don't know if it was meant to be to, to show off how ridiculous it is, but that's the that's what I gathered from it. Like it's un- it's like they're clearly exploiting these kids. And yeah. like the manager's doing it, Sony's doing it. These kids are getting exploited. the The interesting thing is the the one the lead singer, his mom, is trying to like kind of keep it under control. Like she knows that these are kids. She's trying to make sure that they don't kind of lose their childhood because of this. And she's she's like being involved as much as she can in order to keep the kids happy, while also yeah. kind of you know helping them make good career decisions. So that was kind of interesting. But just the fact that, like, the one kid, he, he loves to skateboard, but he can't skateboard anymore because the, the manager and Sony, are, they're too worried that he's going to hurt himself. So, he, mm-hmm. so he's not allowed to skateboard anymore. And then the one kid's really into Grand Theft Auto, and they feel like he's playing it too much and not focusing on the music. So they prevent him. They don't, don't allow him to play Grand Theft Auto anymore. And it's just this thing where you can almost see, you know, their youth being taken from them. And at one point, it's so interesting because these kids are smart. I mean, they're, they're young, but they're smart. Like, they're really aware of what's going on around them. Like, they're trying to read over the contract. They're trying to understand what they're signing. And at one point, the kid's like, he's like, I, I realized that, and again, I'm paraphrasing. I, he's like, I realized that Sony, the only reason we have a record contract is because we're black and we're 13 years old and we are in a metal yeah. band. He's like, I, I'm, I totally realized that. He's like, but I'm okay with it. And I was thinking, you know what? I'd be okay with it too. Why not? You got a $1.8 million contract. Because the thing is, there's so many talented musicians out there that may not get a break just because they get lost in the shuffle. And these kids, they, they have a different look. You know, they're, they're young and, if, and they're talented too. So it'd be, it'd be one thing if they weren't talented, if they weren't good musicians, but they are. Yeah. So, you know. More power to him. Uh, I have a full review for this up on the site, so you can check it out again. It's called Breaking a Monster. I don't know. I don't think this is available on VOD. I think that it's just playing uh, in New York right now. I saw Man vs. Snake. This is uh, basically the king, uh, the king of Kong, just about the game Nibbler instead of Donkey Kong. A lot of the same people in it, like Billy Mitchell and that other dickhead from Twin Galaxies that I don't like. His name's Walter. Uh, I don't like this one simply because it's been done before. This is just the King of Kong. It's, that's all it is. I feel like it's cashing in on the success of the King of Kong. And while it does tell an interesting story, I just don't think it was a necessary film to exist. This is a problem that I have with a lot of documentaries, is that d- does this need to exist? Does this elevate the genre in any way? Or does it add anything to the genre? No, it doesn't. This is just the King of Kong. Um, that being said, it's unfortunate because the there's... Uh, a lot of animated sequences in this that are fantastic and they're really funny. And 
so it's it's a well-made documentary. I just don't know if it needs to exist. <laughs> so uh, that's Man vs. Snake. That's available on VOD right now. So The Fundamentals of Caring, this is available on Netflix. This is the with um, Paul Rudd and Craig Roberts where um, Paul Rudd plays uh, an unemployed guy who gets hired as a caregiver to Craig Roberts who um, has muscular dystrophy. And he takes him on a road trip. So it's kind of a road trip comedy. And uh, I liked this one. It does kind of fall for the, the whole dramatic comedy thing where it starts off hilarious. And as the film progresses, it, it becomes more and more sentimental, more serious until the end where it's pretty much devoid of humor. And that was a real bummer because I thought that it started off really strong. And as someone who, you know, uh, regularly cares for someone in a wheelchair. Uh, there's a lot to relate to with this one. I told Ryan as soon as I saw this, like he's got to see this movie. Like this, this is one that he just absolutely has to see. And I would, I would recommend it to you too, Kevin, because it's uh, pretty funny. There's a lot of really Paul Rudd has a lot of really funny lines in it. There's this scene where he's trying to get Craig Roberts to eat a Slim Jim. <laughs> he shoves it in his face and he goes, you want a bite of the James? It's just funny. And then there's another scene where they're in the hotel and there's a diner across the street and Paul Rogers looks at Craig Roberts and he's like, I'm getting a patty melt. I don't give a shit. <laughs> uh, yeah. So overall, uh, I definitely enjoyed that one. The only other one I'll mention is Hunt for the Wilder People. Uh, this is the new Taika Waititi movie. Fantastic, as expected. He can. This director could do no wrong for me. I mean, he's like uh, he's like the 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 Kiwi version of uh, of Wes Anderson for me. Where his movies have a lot of heart, but they are insanely hilarious. And this one is is uh, Reese Darby's in this one, and he plays a guy named Psycho Sam, <laughs> and the kid. So basically, it's about this uh, juvenile delinquent who gets put with a foster family out in the in the uh, in the bush and develops a bond with Sam Neill, who plays this kind of uh, mountain man. And but the kid is like all thugged out and stuff. And they get him a dog for his birthday, and he names the dog Tupac. <laughs> uh, but it's uh, it's fantastic. Uh, I I loved this movie. It's absolutely worth seeing as soon as it's available. Right now, it's playing in limited release. Uh, they did a surprise Q and A with Taika Waititi last night at my screening. Oh, really? Yeah, so that was cool. Nice. Yeah, I didn't even know. I didn't even know that they were going to do that, and they were like, "Hey, there's going to be a Q and A with the director after." And I was like, "Oh, sweet." Did you stay? Uh, no, I didn't actually. Because <laughs> here's why. I knew you did. I knew you did. Here's why. Uh, the 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 Q and A was via <laughs> Skype. Yeah. So as soon as as soon as they brought out the computer with him on like waving at the audience, I was like, oh, no, like, you're like yeah, you're like, I am not comfortable. Yeah, here. this this on. was like had disaster written all over it. And I was like, I got to excuse myself. Um, Q&A's are normally uh, a train wreck. And I just hate being a part of it, especially if it's a director or an actor or somebody who I actually really like and admire, I don't like them to be in that situation. So I usually excuse myself. If everybody left, like if a lot of people left, I would have stayed because that would have yeah. been bad too. 
but pretty much everybody it was a full theater and pretty much everybody stayed so i was like okay i think it's okay that i can excuse myself but anyway <laughs> hunt for the wilder people fantastic i would like to point out one thing real quick before we move on to the next segment is i find it funny that we were discussing about some movies earlier and how we were saying about you know if you can't match the audio up and this and that you know it's not maybe it's not good enough as an end product and you shouldn't put it out there and da, 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 da. and then a little bit later on in the, the actual recording is people doing rope work outside so we get to have that in there yeah i love that that yeah but you know what <laughs> all, i love that on all of the podcasts that we do it it waited for this one yeah for people to Where we talk to about use unprofessionalism <laughs> hey whatever i can't go out and yell at these guys to stop and we're not gonna this is a podcast okay <laughs> this is this doesn't need to be high quality this just needs to have our ideas about these movies so it, it is what it is all right let's talk about some predictions last week independence day resurgence you said 54 i said 42 actual 33 oh did you see the newest kentucker video yeah, i didn't i saw that it, it was that he came out with it but i didn't watch it yet independence oh, boy. day it's not as good as Pleasantville, but it's still good. Have you been watching? You should check out Why Is Cinema on YouTube. You will. Why is cinema? Oh my God! Why is cinema? Okay. Look at that channel on YouTube. Uh, the guy that does it, his name's Cameron Carpenter. Uh, watch. Start with the long, the long take video. It is hilarious. Watch the long take video, and then you'll you'll want to watch all the other ones. They're short. They're like three to four minute long video essays on various things in film, but they're so funny. Yeah. Why is cinema? Great title too. Uh, Free State of Jones. You said 52. I said 61. Actual 40. And then finally, The, shad- the, sh- the Shadows. The Shallows. You said 62. I said 58. Actual 74. Oh. Yeah. Uh, next week, The Legend of Tarzan. Or as I like to call it, Tarzan. Tarzan. Gonna try and make Tarzan come back. Ale- be a thing. Little Alexander Skarsgård, Margot Robbie action. Man. I'm not into this. I never liked Tarzan. Ever. Don't know I don't why. Think anyone has since like the 40s. Probably even earlier like, than that. Probably the yeah, 30s. This is not a fucking thing. Shouldn't continue to be a thing. Like, just let go of stuff. Yeah. Seriously, just fucking let go. This one doesn't look very good to me. I'll say uh, 46. I'll say zero. Fuck that movie. Okay. The Purge election year. Now, uh, this, is a, this is a series that I want to like. I felt like that this, I enjoyed the second one a little bit more than the first one, but it still wasn't quite there. Uh, this one looks pretty creepy, though. I mean, I'll check it out. What are you thinking on the Purge election year? Mm, I think I'm like 48. 48? Uh, I'll say 36 on that one. And then finally we have the BFG. Big fucking guy. Big fucking guy. This is a big fucking guy. Uh, This one doesn't appeal to me at all. Like Everybody's talking up the, the CG in this, but it doesn't look that good to me. No, it looks like shit. It looks ugly. I'm just not, I don't know. I'm not into that. Uh, this one I'll say it's probably gonna do very well though, so I'll say sixty-eight. It's probably gonna Ooh. be higher than that. I'm gonna say eighty-four. Oh wow! Yeah, 
In limited release next week, we have Microbe and Gasoline. This is the new Michelle Gondry joint. Oh, yeah. We got Carnage Park. I'm interested in that one. That looks like a good uh, horror thriller. We got Marauders with uh, Christopher Maloney and uh, Bruce Willis. The Innocents, Satanic. Uh, It's a horror film. Doesn't look very good. It's uh, with the the one girl from... uh, uh, Modern Family, Sarah Hyland. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else. I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Buddy Moon also comes out. That's uh, that's one I saw at Slam Dance this year. It's a comedy. It's okay. It's not great. I don't know if I reviewed yeah. it. I don't think I did. I probably would have given it like a five or a four and a half. Beauty next week we have Carnage Park and Marauders. Blu-ray next mm-hmm. week. This is for June twenty-eighth. Mm-hmm. We got mm-hmm. Cemetery of Splendor. Oh yes. We got Francophonia. Francophonia. Nice. Oh man. Yeah, some good ones. Some, some Kevin picks there. Break out that wallet. Arrow is releasing Return of the Killer Tomatoes. Oh shit. I want to go revisit those movies. I haven't seen those in years. I remember the cartoon. The cartoon was awesome. Uh, looks like a documentary about Ray Harryhausen, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot, uh, Afrim. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's pretty much it. Ton of anime as usual. Oh, Eye in the Sky. It's the the drone one, and that's pretty much it. it. We're we're getting close to that too, where it's like stop the stop drone with the movies. drone movies. There's like at least four that I can think of. Yeah, like we're we're done. We're done. Let's give it a break for a little bit. Uh, all right. What do we have on the Criterion front next week? We got two Criterions. We got a classic and we got a contemporary one. First off, we have Dr. Strange Love or How I Learned to Stop Worrying in Love with Bomb, Kubrick, 1964. Don't really need to tell you much about that one. Kind of special features, though. You said a ton? Looks like it. Cool. Looks like a decent amount of special features on that bad boy. Good. And then we have Clouds of Sils Maria from 2014. This is the one with Kristen Stewart, Julia Binoche. This is, it was, I thought it was all right. Kristen Stewart's really great in that. This one. So is Binoche. This one. Yeah, I mean, Binoche is always good. Yeah, this one I heard good things, but it just didn't, didn't really appeal to me. But uh, All right. I think that that'll do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at FilmPulseNet and at FilmPulseKevin. And if you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash FilmPulse. Consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.